Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Detroit Free Press presents Talkin' Lions, your audio home for all things Honolulu blue and silver. Here is your host from the Detroit Free Press, Dave Burkett. Dave Burkett here along with uh, Carlos Menares, Sean Windsor, as usual for our Monday wrap-up of the Detroit Lions. And guys, uh, Lions lost the game to the Green Bay Packers on Sunday I don't think any of us uh, expected them to win. Certainly they were overmatched in that game. Give them a little bit of credit, though, I guess, for uh, making a game of it, at least after it appeared that they were, were going to get run out of the building the way that Aaron Rodgers was, was playing them early on. So, I don't know, do you take any any solace in, in the effort? Or, Carlos, I know you uh, you prefer them to lose at this point for, for draft status, draft pick status. Yeah, they moved up one spot in uh, in the draft order, so that was, that was a little low. Uh, you know, uh, silver lining. Um, you know, Dave, th- this is a moral victory for the Lions. I know, I know that's a big, it's a big deal for you. So um, definitely a moral victory. It's a pat on the back, participation trophy. Um, but yeah, I mean, people, like you said, they thought they were going to get drug around the field and and they didn't, you know, they, they held it together. They gave themselves a chance at the end, uh, like the way Bevel fought with throwing that challenge flag, which I thought that was a catch, by the way. Um, I, I like that. Apparently, yeah. I mean, I like the 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 fight that they showed. You know, they were clearly outmatched talent wise, personnel wise, with all the injuries the Lions had, especially on defense. So, you know, um, they, they did what they could, but you know, it's just there's only there's only so much magic you're gonna you know pull out of the bag this late in the season. Um, so you know, at this point, you know, I think we're gonna get into it. But sit Stafford, tank the rest, move up more spots in the draft order Sean you want to you want Stafford to uh to take a seat for the rest of the season regardless of what comes from the injury no and I don't think he does I don't think he wants to either hey while I'm talking for a second Dave if you mind pull up that tweet so you can read it here in a few seconds about uh not about Carl so we can get to that but you, you tweeted out this idea that had they changed coaches you know, a little earlier, they might be a legitimate wild card contender. And I'd, I'd like to bat that around a little bit. In fact, yeah, because I'm worried that Carlos is going to create some heat here. So I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to take my coat off and my hat off. So I won't get burned by the, by the sparks. All right. Was, so as you're, as started you're this bit, I'll, I'll dig up, I'll dig up exactly what I said. But I, I think, uh, I mean, Carl's, you know, is talking about moral victories. I don't, I mean, it's sort of shocking that he's talking about that. He's talking about draft position. Let's, let's, let's be real. Uh, Carlos wanted him to lose because he wants uh, Matt Patricia to not look as bad, right? I mean, if they win, you know what I mean? They, especially if they beat a team like the Packers, you know what I mean? Then, then Carlos is kind of licking his wounds a little bit. So can we can we be honest about that, Carlos? Look, I, I just want everyone to know that I came in here not – I didn't want to talk about Matt Patricia at all today. I didn't – you know, I just want to spin this oh, thing. Oh, yeah. And that's, where we, that's where we end up at, like two minutes into our, our video here. I, it's funny because I'm not the one who ever brings him up, but we always end up talking about your guy's favorite coach. Um, I think you guys miss him. I think there's like 
I think there's like buyer's remorse as much as you guys are on team bevel now. Like you're like, Oh, remember Matt Patricia? It's going to go on forever. But no, I mean, this is, this is, uh, you know, it's ridiculous to play the what if game. I mean, it's, I mean, Hey, if, if bevel finishes, you know, even four and one in the last five games, I'll even say three and two, Dave, you could make the argument that, yeah, maybe, maybe there was something there, but it's not like this team is that much different. You know, I mean, hanging with the with the Patriots you know uh, a, a three possession third quarter is not exactly the kind of thing that makes you think, oh my god Daryl Bevel was the answer this whole time you know so I, I don't buy that and let's not forget when they got handled in Green Bay the first time you know Stafford one of the big turning points of Stafford throwing that pick six which of course was Matt Patricia's fault so um, you know, I mean, we can play this what if game, but I mean, Bevel's done an okay job. And I wrote that. I think that, you know, if he, if he ends up, you know, winning a few more games, you know, he should maybe get some consideration. I don't know in this hiring cycle, but maybe down the line. I mean, I think, you know, maybe there's something there, not this year, but maybe in the future. Well, a couple of thoughts, Carlos. Sorry, Dave. Uh, one, I was at that game and sitting next to our, uh, our good bud, Dave in green Bay. And they were kind of getting run before that pick six. That was not a very good pick six, by the way. You're right. But two, uh, yeah, the team, uh, what was weird about yesterday was it just felt like a, a regular loss. They, they didn't implode. They didn't, they didn't lose it. I mean, the Green, Bay, Green Bay was just a little bit better, but they played like professionals. They played – I mean, obviously they were engaged and all that. They didn't beat themselves in a way, which they, they have so much over the last few years. Maybe you could argue, Carlos, they have over the last 50 years. But it, it, it does feel a bit different. The question is, and I saw this, is, is Dave's going to read this tweet here in a minute. In that thread, the Twitter thread that Dave's going to reference, there was somebody posting an article about uh, from 538, the political site, and they did a sort of a study looking at when, when coaches get fired, do teams have an immediate bounce? And oftentimes they do, and you, you wonder, okay, is it the coach that com- comes in? Because a lot of times that coach doesn't get rehired or doesn't get hired at the end of the season as a full-time coach, they remain an interim and then they go their way. But, but is it just because the coach that was fired was just not doing a very good job? And, and maybe part of that was connecting communication. So maybe that explains the bounce that you see. So I, I'd be willing to, to say that makes sense, Carlos. And it's not just Daryl Bevel. Maybe it's just the nature of when that happens. But I also think Bevel deserves some credit for the, the imprint, the footprint, whatever, not the footprint, the, uh, what he's done in the last couple of weeks. How about that? I think that's very yeah, fair. I think, I think that. Go ahead, Carlos. I'm gonna give you the floor here. Yeah, just real quick. Just um, let, let's not forget. Five thirty eight's the the really prescient website that predicted Hillary would run over Donald Trump in 2016. So you know that was, I, in, I the think, era, that was in the air margin, by the way. I'm just saying the popular vote. So yeah, whatever. Well, the the problem with these, and I and, you know, I think Dave wrote about it, or he referenced it recently about uh you know, the, the bounce from coaches and the, the records the week after were something like 13 and eight or whatever it was in the last few years. Um, you know, but the problem with that is, you know, you have to look at the whole circumstance, you know, are you playing the jets the next week? Are you playing, you know, the Packers the next week? And it's, it's, it's really an apples and oranges thing. Um, you know, maybe there is something to it. Um, you know, but, but I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, you can say that you can say that, you know, Bevel is doing a credible job. I don't know if he's the difference maker that anybody's looking for right now. Um, I don't know if he would have made, I mean, I don't know. We can play this what if game the whole time. Let's not forget two things. 
one, the offense was not playing great under Matt Patricia, and Daryl Bevel was in charge of that offense. And two, last year, when Stafford missed half the year, they, they were doing what they're doing now, was they were not getting embarrassed for the most part with David Blau, you know, under center. So, you know, you can play this moral victory thing and this, you know, they're, 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 they don't look too bad in the defeats. Um, that's not really what you want in a head coach, ultimately. So no matter who you're playing. Um, but you know, they, they did what they could yesterday. It was, you know, they were, they just were outmanned. Absolutely outmanned. And, uh, I'm going to read you before we get to my, my tweet that you want to talk about, Sean, I want to read you this. This is from the, the, the memo that Sheila Fordham sent to, to some employees today. It was, it was talking about the GM search and sort of outlining some things, but, um, you know, the, she also said, you know, it was clear that coach Patricia's system was not working for the lions. We have, you know, important football games left. We're confident in Bevel. It goes on to say, uh, hey, as we were leaving the Bears stadium after last week's win, we heard thunderous applause and laughter flowing out of the Lions locker room, something we have not heard for a long time. And even after a hard-fought loss to the Packers yesterday, it was evident the team played with heart and never gave up. I, I mean, look, whatever the case is, I, certainly some of it is just the change, as you guys said. Um, you know, you have to give Bevel a little bit of credit. I, I've said all along, right, I, I don't think he's going to end up being the head coach for this team or maybe even not a serious candidate for this team, but you know, the team has responded, responded to him on a different level than it did to, to Matt Patricia. And I think that's evident to, to everyone watching. So the, the, the tweet that you wanted to talk about Sean though, was, you know, I said, I was just rewatching a little bit of the game this morning and I, I said uh, the, this defense is bereft of talent because it really is, as you said, Carlos, I mean, they're, they're just are not playmakers on that side of the ball. And when you go up against the Packers team, uh, like the Lions faced yesterday, I mean, you, you just you have to pull some rabbits out of the hat to win. But but beyond that, I said I can't help but think that if the Lions had made this head coaching change sooner, oops, I just got out of it. If they had, if they made this head coaching change sooner, they would they'd have a couple more wins and be a legitimate wild card contender. So I don't know. Let's let's launch on that for a second. Uh, had they made this this change, let's say by week, uh, you know, at some point, w- would they be a legitimate playoff contender? Now, I don't think they would be a great team by any means, but. Maybe they beat Carolina. Maybe they beat Houston. I mean, maybe there's the way players have responded to, to Daryl Bevel at least leads me to believe that, that yeah, the, the Lions would, you know, they'd have another win or two under their belts right now had this change been made earlier. Uh, go ahead. Well, go ahead, Carlos. I see him laughing. Yeah, too. I, I, I love the, the, this. Is, this is a, you know, Dave, you know, you should give a, a, a class and debate strategy because you know, you set up this this fake premise of you know, well, they're responding to to Bevel. Anytime an NFL team wins, they are laughing and cheering. You know, we walk past locker rooms all the time and we wait. You can hear. It doesn't matter who you beat. If you're the if you're the whatever the the Saints or the the Packers and you beat the Jets, you're going to be celebrating in the locker room. You're going to give you're going to give game balls. You're going to give. It's a big occasion. No matter who you play, when you play. I'm sure when the Lions beat the Falcons, I'm sure that Patricia didn't say, Hey, everybody shut up. No celebrating. Let's keep it down. Quiet boys. We're, we've been in those locker rooms with Patricia under Patricia when they've beaten teams. It's a joyous affair. It's a celebration. No matter who the coach is, no matter who you hate, whatever it is, you won a game. You just left some blood out on the field and you won that game. You're going to be happy. So that's, that's what kind of ridiculous. And the second one is, you know, yeah, you can play this what if game all day long. Of Well, hmm, I wonder if I mean, I don't know. I'd like to hear Sean and Dave, like, why do you think Bevel would have led them to more victory? It's like, what can you point to? 
Well, he's not Patricia. Yeah, no, but no, that's the main thing. There are a couple couple thoughts I have. First of all, Carlos is basically saying Sheila Ford Hemp is misremembering or suffering some some kind of recency bias because what she heard in Chicago was yes. She'd forgotten that what she'd heard, you know, the previous three years. I don't buy that. I, I, I mean, didn't you? I mean, t- to me, she's plenty smart enough to understand that the difference in sound, and to put no. that in a memo, and to put that in a memo, suggests that uh, you know what I mean. I mean, the, the other thing that says is that, and maybe that maybe she wants a proven head coach, whatever. The other thing that says though is that it's not just going to be about a coach who can draw X's and O's. I think that that's what they've learned from this. I think the memo says that. I think the last two games have proven that. Even in yesterday's loss, it, it, it was a painful loss in a way for Lions fans because of the, how long Rodgers had the ball and the Packers had the ball, especially in that third third quarter drive that was, what, almost nine minutes, Carlos? We're talking about that during the game. And then almost eight minutes or yeah, the, in the late third and early in the fourth. So that was kind of painful. But but the way they responded after that, just the, the way they played, it didn't feel like a normal – inevitable lines loss, even though we were wondering early on, and Dave alluded to this, that it felt kind of like it might be a blowout. And I, I think it would have been like what happened in Green Bay, to be honest with you. But I, to me, the main takeaway is, do you want somebody that can connect with your your people and how important that is? And what's the what's the percentage of, of that in a coach versus like Mike Vrabel, right? He obviously knows football, but he's connected. He's gone down there and he's a very different kind of personality. Patricia, maybe it's because he was a player. I don't know. But I Ray think is the same personality. He is the same person as Patricia. No, no, Sean, no he's not. Ass. He no, is Sean, a hard ass player. Right. Yes. He was the guy who he was the guy who took it to Patricia probably learned how to be kind of a jerk from Vrabel in those meetings. Don't confuse Vrabel being kind of standoffish with media, which I, he's done a nope. little bit down there. With what he's doing in the locker, come on, Dave, help me out here. This no, is look, Sean is. No, here's, I think here's, Sean is. I'll give you Carlos. I'll give you this the floor in one sec. Sean, I think you're exactly right about noticing that and wanting that in your next head coach. Because if there's anything that we've learned from this failed Patriots experiment here, it's that those relationships matter. And you can look at why was Jim Caldwell considered? Why was he so loved in that locker room? It wasn't necessarily because he was great at X's and O's. You know, people will tell you that, that he wasn't, that wasn't a strong suit, but it was connecting with people and getting people to play for him. And I think the talent level in the NFL, again, you take out the chiefs who are at the top of everything, right. And you take out the the Jaguars and the jets who are at the bottom when it comes to talent. So many teams are in that middle of the pack that what really makes a difference for teams, the teams that win and the teams that don't, is some of those intangibles in getting people, getting your guys to play for you and to buy into your system and to believe in you is such a big part of that. And it just there's no disputing that players did not do that under Matt Patricia in his two and a half seasons here. But but having said that, you know, look, and I don't want to compare Patricia. Sorry, Carlos. It's your floor here in a second. I don't want to compare Patricia to Bill Belichick, but Belichick struggled with that a little bit in Cleveland, right? And he talked about if he got another chance, he's gone back and talked about that. He was going to make some changes. So if Patricia would ever get another chance, I guarantee you he would change the way he entered the organization and how he tried to connect. I mean, because he's too smart not to, right? And you learn, and that's okay. And it's not to say that Patricia's a bad guy. Sometimes you just kind of have to figure out what matters right away. And um, and I just think that that's what's going to drive this coaching search as much as anything. Yeah, um, you know the, the the thing with the thing with this the coaching things and I, you know mean guys, nice guys, all this stuff. 
I got an answer somebody on Twitter, like, you know, I guess you don't want, you know, uh, you don't want Vince Lombardi. You don't want Bill Belichick. You don't want uh, Tom Landry. Cause those are, those are big meanie coaches. Um, you know, and I think th- this is the question that I have for these, for the owner for Shilla Fort Hamp is, you know, every coach comes in there and they have their, you know, this is what I'm going to do, whatever. Um, I don't think they get down to the really microscopic level, the granular granular level of I'm going to be a jerk to these players. It's going to be very top heavy management. You know, I don't think they spell that out until they get into the seat, <clears throat> but that was the issue with Patricia was a very top heavy management style. And like all the players, the one thing that all the players said, by the way, the current players for the lions after Patricia was fired was it's because he didn't win at the end of the day. They don't really care what the style is. If it works, you know, you can be Satan, but if you're leading a, a you know, winning charge every week, they're going to fall in line behind you. That's why Belichick doesn't have a lot of dissension. But if you're bad, you know, if you're, I didn't they win. It's like, we're, yeah, we're putting up with all this garbage, you know, all this, you know, stuff, you know, and we're losing. So that's why it doesn't work. That's why Landry stayed in power and all these coaches, right? Belichick and, and Lombardi, whatever. So that's the question for Sheila is who do you want? Do you just want a nice person? Do you want somebody who's going to do the Kumbaya Caldwell thing that got you back to nine and seven and right on the edge of the playoff bubble all the time? Or do you want just somebody who has a clear vision? Because to me, I guarantee you, if you'd, if you'd interviewed Mike Vrabel and Matt Patricia, they would have come off very similar, you know, because they were both coming in. They were both beloved um, by their players or their former, you know, players, whatever that they were in charge of. So you're not going to hear this dissension or whatever. Now, if you hire a full a guy who has been a coach before, then maybe you have a little bit more track record of how did he run that organization. But if you're going for a first first time head coach, not going to know that until they get into the seat, how exactly they run the team. Well, I don't, I don't think she was saying that's the only thing they're going to judge him on. I just, I think to Sean's point, that's got to be part of it. And maybe they overlooked that last time. And it was, you know, they, I mean, look, we go back the last five years, right? The Lions, Rod Wood, uh, Martha Ford at the time, they had no experience running any sort of search. So they just turned it over to Ernie Corsi, who hired, you know, his buddy's friend, you know, uh, underling Bob Quinn, who hired his friend and Matt Patricia. And I don't think Rod and Sheila, to the extent that she was involved and, and Martha, maybe knew exactly what they were looking for at the time. And now that they've been through this, they realize that, hey, those, those, those relationships, they matter. Like, yes, you have to have a vision. Yes, you have to be able to command a room. You know, yes, you have to have a presence about you and, and maybe be in a good X's and O's coach or surround yourself with a great staff. And certainly players are important. But one thing that also matters is those relationships that you have in the locker room and in the building. They can take you a long way. They can. I mean, even down to the meeting rooms, right, in the film sessions and how are you going to convey information? And is it, it's, it's going to stick in a different way depending on how it's conveyed. And to say Vrabel and Patricia are exactly the same, I don't buy it. You've watched the Titans play, Dave. So have you, Carlos. And you can see on the sideline, Vrabel has his hands on guys. And it's been that way from the, the start he was there. His energy, how he relates to him when somebody's running off the field, it's just different. Now, maybe it's because he was a player. I'm not saying you have to be that way. But the guys you're referencing, Carlos – that's a different era, man. Free agency wasn't even around back when Lombardi was playing, right? The players are a lot more powered. The culture has changed to a large degree. You can't just scream and get away with it You can and, and not do anything else. You can scream. There's a coach up the road in East Lansing who screams, but he also has the, the very next play, his arm around the player, right? I mean, so you got to balance that out. But you're referencing guys to me, Carlos, that won in a way when, when the times are a little bit different. 
And that's okay. I understand. You want to go back to 1977. I mean, maybe in some ways I well, do too. Oh, I'd like to go eat Count Chocula and be able to find it in every grocery store all year long myself. Well, I, unless I heard that Bill Belichick was fired, I believe he's still coaching. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's you know, I, I don't know if you were watching Patricia on the sideline, Sean, because he definitely gave guys pats on the back and hugged them. He coached them up on the side. That was one of the first things I remember tweeting when he was coaching, like the, he liked to coach the DBs and whatever, you know, when they were off the field and people loved it. They, they could be, because remember, Caldwell was like a statue. They hated that Caldwell just stood there and seemed emotionless. So Patricia was more emphatic. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about Vrabel if he's doing jumping jacks and cartwheels, or whatever, but Patricia was emotive, you know? So I, I don't know if that's, you're remembering his, you know, his, his style quite right. I think he um, changed a little bit. He had to, right? He, he did. No, get a he was like that from the beginning. I'll back Carlos up on this. I mean, Dave, go, go back, go I back and read Dave's stories. When New England, I'm sorry, Carlos. I just want to back you up. I, I remember going to New England for that AFC championship game when it was apparent right. the Lions were going to hire him. He went player by player, shook everyone's hand, gave him a hug. I mean, there was some of that from Patricia, but I, I think it was more, it wasn't just, you know, that it, it, there was more about how he treated him that players didn't like, but Carlos is right. That, that Matt was, you know, he was emotive in, in many ways. You're never going to, they're never going to hire a coach who's going to get all these bad reviews of man, he was a jerk to us and man, he cussed us out in meetings and we didn't like it. You know, they come here on a high point and that high point, you know, I'm sure Patricia did this in new England as well. I'm sure he was tough on his players in his meeting rooms as well. But guess what? They were always winning in New England. So people are, well, this isn't my favorite style, but guess what? We're winning. It's working. I, I, I and, that, and that's the only example. He's the only example, right, Carlos? That's the problem. You're trying to replicate somebody that there's nobody else in the league like him. And I think that's the, that's the other lesson. I, I mean, Vrabel is part of the tree, but he's very different from Belichick. And so, I don't know. And, and look, I'm not saying Patricia wasn't emotive. And you're right, it's not just the sideline. It's also inside the building and, and how you're going to treat. But there were too many players that talked about the, the – not maybe he didn't threaten them, but the way he would talk about it made it sound like they didn't think that, that he was treating them like a human being or an adult or somebody, you know, hey, I'm, what was it? It was an Sean Robinson that tweeted, not that I want to reference him, but this idea that uh, he was threatened with his career or whatever, maybe that's a little over the top. But he gave too many players the idea that they were just pawns and not, you know, sort of blood and water and sweat and all that. And and that, to me, he can change because you're right, Carlos, we did see, or Dave, we did see that from Patricia when he was in New England. Um, yeah, no, I, I look, I, I think it's all about, you know, they're playing a little more loose now, but that's, you know, beside the point, right? I mean, again, I didn't want to spend this whole time talking about Patricia. I wanted to move on to some other things and, you know, talk about Daryl Bevel and the job that he's done or talk about the GM search and the coaching search that we're still very much in the infancy of. We only have a couple minutes left here on, on Zoom before, uh, before we get kicked off. So, uh, you know, before we, before we have to go, do you guys have any, any thoughts on, you know, as I watch these games now, right? Last night I, I get home from Ford Field and I'm watching the Buffalo Bills play and I'm thinking to myself, all right, Brian Dable, potential head coach, Leslie Frazier, potential head coach, you know, Joe Shane, I don't know if I'm saying the, the last name right, you know, in the front office, I'm thinking of these guys and how they might fit into the Lions organization. So before we wrap this up, do you have any early thoughts? And again, the Lions are weeks away, potentially six weeks away from making hires. Do you have any thoughts on, you know, how you'd like to see this thing shake out? What candidates you'd like to see in the mix at the end of the day? Well, I'll just tell you, Carlos and I were talking about this, sorry, Carlos, yesterday during the game, 
kind of looking at the roster and, and giving Bob Quinn some credit, or I, maybe that's not the right word, but his hits, his, his hits were on the offensive side of the ball, right? He's, he's drafted, he, he drafted four or five guys, maybe, maybe five or six guys, several of them who were pro, pro bowl level players. So whoever comes in next, has got to figure out how to do that on a defensive side of the ball. That was the difference yesterday. Rodgers had all day to throw, and Stafford did not. If you want to boil that game down, yes, Rodgers is a better player than Stafford. That's fine. But aside from that, Stafford played pretty well yesterday. But that was the difference. The front seven on either side, you could see the difference. And, and that's been an issue all year. There was There's no pass rush. I know they were missing a couple of guys. But even when they had those guys, there was very little pass rush. So the next GM is going to have to have an eye how to balance this roster out because I think offensively they're in decent shape. Yeah. I think, um, you know, my, my one thing is, you know, to start off, the biggest thing is going to be the quarterback position. Cause it looks more and more like Stafford is, is out the door, you know, in some way or fashion, either by trade or, or by injury or something. Right. Um, and the, so the new, the new regime is about the future and that starts with the quarterback. So someone like, a, you know, Dave and I have talked about this, like a John Dorsey in Cleveland, right, and came from Kansas City, somebody who has an eye for developing or finding quarterback talent. Um, it's really hard to do that, right, especially if you're not picking one or two, or even if you are picking that high, it's hard. So someone who can put together, and I know, Sean, you know, defense, that's been, that was Quinn's problem, but to me, offense is more important. Um, how can you, how, you know, you got to score points. So who is it going to be? What's your vision for this for this roster, specifically offense? Offense is going to change quite a bit as well um, with the guys leaving and free agency and everything. So um, I don't know if it's John Dorsey, but I think someone with an eye for quarterback talent is going to be. I, uh, I'll break some news. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll break some news to, to people on here. The Lions have not contacted John Dorsey yet. Um, so just putting that out there, though, Carlos, we have talked about that, that, you know, his his, you know, his resume in drafting quarterbacks is, is not you know, it's one of the better ones out there with everyone he's had a hand in. But I, I agree with both of you that I think, Sean, you're right. I mean, Bob Quinn has done a good job with the offensive line. You look at Kenny Galladay, DeAndre Swift. I mean, they have some pieces on offense that you can look Hawkinson. at. Hawkinson. Hawkinson, for sure. They, they have some pieces that are going to be good players and are, should make this offense a, a good offense for a, a long time. They have no playmakers on defense. They really need to, to turn that whole unit over. And Carlos – Look, that's what I'm writing for tomorrow about Matthew Stafford. I mean, it, it, it is regardless of whether Stafford comes back in 2021 or not. And I think, you know, if you're picking 10-ish, you, you probably got to bring him back because you can't just throw next season to the to the Wolves. But look, the one failing of this, this past regime, the biggest failing was not drafting a quarterback and not setting yourself up for that. And in the next re- the next regime, that's that has to be the, the first order of business because as we saw you know, Stafford takes another big hit. Who knows what, what the, his status is going forward. But he's been hurt a lot lately, right? 2018, he had the back that he played through. 2019, he missed eight games with a back injury. This year, he's got the thumb that he's playing through. The ribs now that may or may not keep him out. You go back even further, 17, I think he had some injuries. So they need to find their quarterback of the future because at this rate, who knows how long Matthew Stafford will continue to last. And, and rather than give him an extension rather than roll with him until he's 40. I think that's a position that they have to, the next GM has to address uh, early, probably first round in this coming draft. Uh, I agree with, I agree with both of you. I, although I, I, I really will say, I don't think, I think they could be pretty competitive next year. Stafford comes back with the right GM and right coach. Well, I, uh, I agree. And some smart free agents. Yeah. No, 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 no. But I think they could be playoff level competitive. 
if they can get that defense a little bit better. And and you we see teams do this all the time. It just depends on who they bring in and are they going to be able to identify that. Long term, yeah, they got to have a quarterback. But but I think they could be pretty good the next couple of years um, if they can just get that defense a little bit better, maybe a lot better. Carlos, since I said you were crazy on Twitter, you get the last word before we uh, before we wrap this up here. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I can't say you guys are crazy because you're right. You know, the, this team is not ber- totally bereft of talent. And I think on I'll take exception with what you said on defense, Dave. I think Romeo Quara, Trey Flowers, Jamie Collins, those guys are pretty good players. I mean, they'll they'll have a place in on this defense next year. Um, so. You know, yeah, they still need more. Okuda should be betters next year, you know, all that. But there are holes, definitely a lot of holes on defense. But they have something to go on. But they definitely need a lot of help. You're right on Romeo, free agent. That's a big decision that the Lions have, and they might not have the franchise tag to use on him if they have to use it on Kenny Galladay. So we'll see. And Trey Flowers injured right now, so bereft right now. Um, all right, that'll, that'll do it for us here. Uh, we're going to get kicked off of Zoom here in a second. So uh, as always – a great conversation uh, with these two guys, and I'm sure we'll have more to come as the Lions have three games left, including this week against the Tennessee Titans. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.